The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Oh, baby! What is up? Buffalo Fanatics, Z-Bot here with you. Wednesday night. What the hell day is it? What month is it? March 1st? What? March 1st, a Wednesday evening, live on the Buffalo Fanatics YouTube channel. And that, of course, can only mean one thing. It is the smoke break. I got to tell you. So my girlfriend's a nurse, so she works 12-hour shifts and only works like three days a week. So she'll be off She'll be off on like a Wednesday and a Thursday. It throws my week off completely. I swear to God, I thought today all day was Thursday. I thought tomorrow was Friday. Nope. Wasn't feeling good Monday. Wednesday was open. I said, all right, we're going to postpone the smoke break till Wednesday. So glad that we did because we got plenty of news coming out of Buffalo yesterday. And I think it's news that there's a lot of the fan base is probably rejoicing. A lot of the fan base who are doing the opposite. And if you're like me, you're sitting here wondering why and what? Not exactly sure what happened yesterday to lead to the point in which Leslie Frazier winds up departing from the Buffalo Bills, but that is exactly what came out of Buffalo yesterday. Leslie Frazier announces that he will be departing the Buffalo Bills this year as the defensive coordinator for the team with the potential to return in 2024. Very odd stuff, and we're going to break it all down tonight. That's the big story, of course. We're also going to touch on the new stadium renderings that have been published by the Bills. I, I still forget that we're getting a new stadium. It's weird. I have yet to like come to grips with the fact that that's happening. It probably won't hit me until they start breaking ground on it. I never think about it. I actually completely forgot about it until the pictures came out. Looks cool. We'll dive into that. Take a look. Get your guys' thoughts. And we'll see... Uh, We'll see what we can expect to be replacing the Ralph, which just just pains me to say uh, in a couple of years here. And then, of course, we have the NFL Combine live and in action this week. And, of course, the entirety of the NFL landscape is there, including Sean McDermott, Brandon Bean, taking a look at potential players that could be a Buffalo Bill this coming season. And they address the media, both of them, not only about the Leslie Frazier situation, but about the past and, of course, Heading into the future, we'll take uh, take a look at what both of those guys had to say and what that could potentially mean for the Bills here in 2023. Good to have you in tonight, Wednesday night, smoke break. Thank you for uh, tuning in on an earlier time as well, 6 o'clock. I know we're all over the place. That is the offseason. You'll notice. And what did we do the last time I was on here with you? We were, we were running chat GPT. We were rewriting the script. I mean, it's the offseason, right? Topsy-turvy, a little all over the place, but then it really throws you for a loop when you get news like we did yesterday. Leslie Frazier, the defensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills, now former 
defensive coordinator for the Buffalo Bills, is departing the team voluntarily, I suppose. I, I, I'm still uh, scratching my head here. You want to talk about one of those things that doesn't really seem like it happened? Well, it happened. And the interesting thing here, and there's a lot to unpack, and there's a lot, there's a lot of things here that are affected. Of course, the Bills in totality are, you know, the ones that are most affected. Of course, you lose your defensive coordinator. There's going to be obvious changes. But Sean McDermott, very affected by this. Potential players on this defensive roster affected by this. Hell, the, the scheme, the overall approach to the season, completely affected by this. How much? I don't think we know. And I don't think that McDermott and Bean know as of right now. The vibe that I got from them when they addressed the media from the Combine was that this was as much of a surprise to them as it was to us when we got the news. Because this period of time in which we are entering in right now, like I just said at the top of the show, it's March 1st here. I mean, pinch me. We're we're, we're a a quarter of the way almost through this year. I have no idea how. The draft is a little over a month away. Believe it or not, the last time we watched the Bills play football, it was nearly two months ago. And you know how the NFL works now. Moves are made instantly. Instantly. That's why you got guys interviewing for jobs the weekend of the Super Bowl when their teams are playing in them. You got guys taking jobs in the middle of the playoffs, interviewing for jobs. Those big moves at the defensive coordinator position, the offensive coordinator position, and of course the head coaching position, they often happen right in the beginning of the offseason. And this is why this move is strange on top of the fact that the way in which it has been approached is perhaps the strangest departure I've seen for a coach in some time, maybe ever, just when you when you kind of break down what you get at the surface. And what you get at the surface is a coach for the Bills who has led this defense, and let's not get it twisted. Leslie Frazier has led the Bills defense to be one of the better defenses in this league during his entire time as the Buffalo Bills DC. We all know there's been mistakes in the playoffs. Nobody's not, nobody's denying that. We all have eyes. We all have seen the picture of course where they line up on third and four against the Bengals and they, they, they there isn't a there isn't a guy in coverage in sight. We we know how they approached the 13 second situation against the Chiefs last year, but we also know that this Bills defense in nearly every major category was near the top of the league and have been under Leslie Frazier, pretty much the entire time he has been with this Buffalo Bills team. And a lot of people, and, and you you know this to be true because this is these are the voices that often are screaming the loudest when it comes to this situation. A lot of people only judge Leslie Frazier based on those previous two instances that I just brought up. The defense and the way it was handled against the Bengals, it was terrible. I understand it has to be bring, brought up. It was, it was putrid. And then the way you approach the the Chiefs in the final 13 seconds, it, it was perhaps the worst defensive blunder in the history of the franchise. But as Brandon Bean said right when the season ended, and I understand it might have been a bit tone deaf in the way it was said, when he did state, I don't want to judge things based on one game. The problem with saying it that way is because that one game is the season. That one game is do or die. You have 17 other games that aren't that. But what he was trying to get at with the point he was making was that when you look at the body of work for Leslie Frazier, which includes 17 games or or 16 games each season 
as a defensive coordinator, when you to, when you total those up and leave aside the very obvious blunders in the in the postseason, Leslie Frazier is one hell of a defensive coordinator. And there's a reason right when the season ended, you were hearing rumors that potentially Leslie Frazier could be a candidate for a head coaching job. And that's really when the rumors started to circulate as to whether or not the Bills were going to be keeping Leslie Frazier around. Obviously, people were screaming from the mountaintops after the Bengals game that they wanted him gone. And then you really started hearing that almost on a seismic level when you were getting little crumbs here and there that there was potential interest in bringing in Leslie Frazier as a head coach, meaning it would give the Bills an easy out to move on from him you know, from the defensive coordinator position. Once we saw time move on, especially post-Super Bowl here, and there was no move made, there was no real hint at a move being made, it became pretty common knowledge, nothing's going to be changed at the defensive coordinator position unless something shocking happens. And yesterday, something shocking happened. I can't, rem- I can't think of a single other example where a coach has walked away from a job but in the exact same breath says, I plan to return in 2024. There might be an instance or two out there where it was due to medical, a medical situation, completely understandable. And that's why when I initially heard this story, my initial thought was, oh, I hope, I hope Leslie Frazier's okay. Because that's where my mind went. Because you don't typically hear of a guy walking away from a gig like this voluntarily while also saying, I plan to return. Unless, A, he's retiring like we saw Sean Payton do with the Saints. Everybody knew eventually he'd come back. He retired to get out of New Orleans, take a year off, you know, blow off some steam. And then, of course, now he's the head coach of the Denver Broncos. Or you, you, you probably have, and I can't think of one, but there has to be an example or two where a coach has left because of medical circumstances and has come back. I know, you know, Ron Rivera has dealt with his cancer. I'm not entirely sure how much time he has missed because of that. But, you know, there's an example of a guy who, if you if you heard Ron Rivera today say he had to step away from the team because of his medical situation, but he plans to return, it, obviously it would all add up. But that wasn't tied to what we heard yesterday. There was no medical reason. There was no real reason at all. It was just that Leslie Frazier is taking the year off, but plans to return in 2024. Now, let's get this out of the way right now. He ain't returning. I don't even know why that's being, I don't even know why that's attached to the situation. They're not just bringing him back. I mean, imagine this and, and, and think about it. Our jobs, I don't know what you guys do. Maybe you're a, maybe you're a CEO somewhere and you're a big hotshot. I have no idea. I'm not. <laughs> but all I know is if I were to take a year off from any job, you know, if I go into the office tomorrow or if I go to my employer tomorrow and I say, hey, um, you know, I'm a bit burnout. Don't really feel like working for a year, but pencil me in. I'll be back this time in 2024. I mean, they'd look at me like I like I had a, a third eye growing out of my forehead, and rightfully so. Now, Leslie Frazier, it's not like he's a young buck. It's not like he's a 40-year-old guy who's been coaching in the league for a couple of seasons. He has been in this league for quite some time. It'd be understandable if Leslie Frazier said, hey, you know what? I've had a good run it didn't end the way I wanted it to. It doesn't look like I'm going to be getting a head coaching job anytime soon, or if at all, I'm just going to hang the cleats up and call it a career. I don't think anybody would have been shocked by that. And I think it would have been very understandable. The way in which this has been approached is where the head scratching is coming from. 
And when I listened to Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean at their pressers at the NFL Combine, at least my impression was that had to have been uh, it had to have been a shock to them, or at least to some degree. And when you know when posed the question, when Brandon Bean was posed the question about a potential return in 2024 for Leslie Frazier, Bean replied, "I don't know yet." Quote, "I think." that we're going to just take it this I think we're going to, what we're going to do is just take this year off, let this year be, and cross that in 2024. Now, I don't know how many people are sitting out there holding their breath. Oh, I really hope Leslie Frazier comes back. I, I don't think that there's probably anybody, and it's no knock on Leslie Frazier. It's just I don't think anybody's, like, waiting in the wings saying, oh, God, you know, what are we going to do? Like, you know, holy crap, if, if, if Frazier doesn't come back in 2024, we're screwed. So I, I don't think that there is any, what I'm getting at is the year's going to go on here. The year's, the year's going to pass here and 2024 will be here. And nobody's going to be saying, well, I can't wait for the door to reopen for Frazier so we can get this defense back on track. It's just not happening. He might come back to coaching. It ain't going to be for the Bills. I'd be stunned. I'd be stunned. Now, here's where the head scratching really comes from, from, you know, from my perspective. It's, it's the question, why? Why now and why the way he did it? Because he wasn't fired, right? He didn't retire. Like I said, no medical leave, no solidified reason other than he's just taking the year off. Which, by the way, I, I wish life was like this. Back to my point about going up to your, you know, going up to your employer or whatever. I wish life was like this. Hey, you know what? I could use a year, <laughs> you know, I could really just use a year. I mean, wouldn't that just be great? And Hey, to, to Leslie Frazier's credit, and this is just from a, strictly from a human element, right? If he's really just, if the, if the truth of the matter here, and I don't know what the truth is, we'll talk about that coming up here. I don't know what the truth is, but if the truth is, Hey, he's just gassed and he wants to kick his feet up for a year. And if someone's willing to take him in in 2024, he'll be ready. Good for him. You know, the guy's made his coin. He's made plenty of money. He's fine. If he's burnt, wants to hang out with the fam and get back after it in 2024. Good for him. If I had the means to do it, I'd do it. I mean, think about your think about your own personal perspective. You had the opportunity to just kick your feet up for a year and then and resume life as status quo next year. Would you not do it? Maybe you would. Leslie Frazier is. But I think it's too convenient to think that Leslie Frazier, who was having, there were conversations being had about the potential for him to be a head coach. We all know how good this defense, despite the blunders, let's put those on the back burner for now. And I know you're going to say, bot, they're the, they're the biggest problem this team has had over the last couple of seasons. I get it. But let's just try to be, you know, let's try to be objective here. You look at Leslie Frazier's overall body of work and you're thinking, man, he's been a hell of a DC for this team. The roster, at least, you know, up until this point has been great. This defense has been one of the stronger units in the league. There have been times where this defense has been the strongest unit for this team under Leslie Frazier. They went 13-3 and this year. You've won at least a playoff game over the last couple of seasons. Why now and, and why in general? And there's a few things that popped up into my mind. And I don't know. I don't think we'll ever get a solidified answer. 
And frankly, I don't really care because it, you know how it goes. You know how it goes. And it's like, it's like watching these. I, I listen to both, you know, McDermott's press conference and Bean's press conference. I love them both. They're great. You know how I feel about Bean and McDermott. I mean, two class acts, love them. But this is how I feel about the majority of, of interviews and press conferences with coaches and players. There's, there's nothing there. That's why I, I, I barely listen to them unless there's something worth listening to. Because you're going to get the same status quo answer over and over and over. So, of course, Bean's going to say, yeah, we'll take a look at it in 2024 when the reality is probably, yeah, we're never going to see him in the Bills uh, coaching room again. Or, you know, you, you just have no idea what the actual reality is, and that's what, that's, that's what keeps the league functioning, right? We don't know. It's like, it's like anything else in this world. It's like anything with, with major corporations, with the government, with, with the NFL. We don't know what the hell is going on behind the scenes, and frankly, do you really want to know? Well, in this particular circumstance, I kind of do want to know because I'm interested because I think that it could tell us as fans what might be going on when you look at the Bills as a whole unit. So let's start from what could be the easiest answer, and it's what I, what's, it's what I referenced just a couple of minutes ago. Frazier, older guy, right? Plenty of years coaching in this league. Hasn't been able to get over the hump the last few seasons. He's just burnt out, and he wants to kick his feet up, and then he'll, re- he'll reassess his options in 2024. Maybe it's just as easy as that. I don't think so, because I think that, that that's just too convenient. Oftentimes in a business like the NFL, the easiest answer usually is not the answer. There's usually something else. Was there a mutual agreement? Now, I don't think this is the truth either because I just, like I said, I saw, at least from my perception, the way that Bean handled it, the way McDermott handled it, it seemed like a surprise on their end. But was there a mutual agreement? Hey, Leslie, you know, you've been a hell of an asset for us. You're a well-respected coach in this league. The last thing we want to do is is have a have a a firing on on your resume as you as you depart the bills. Was there a mutual agreement for Leslie Frazier to just say, "Hey, you know what? Just going to kick it up and I'll see what happens next year." That is it's plausible because we've seen that happen before. That happens in in any any industry, right? Pretty sure that's exactly what happened with Bruce Arians in Tampa Bay after the Super Bowl. I don't necessarily think Bruce Arians wanted to stop coaching, but Tom Brady and him, it, it wasn't working at least to the extent in which they wanted it to, or at least to the extent in which Brady wanted it to. So what happened? Bruce Arians took a step back from coaching, but he maintained a, he maintained a staff, a staffing spot somewhere higher up in Tampa Bay that no one even knows what the name of the, the position is, right? We've seen stuff like that happen. That's a possibility. But based on the perception I got from the way that McDermott and Bean handled it, I don't think that that is the answer. Plus, Red Rose coming in here saying, doubt it, the timing's off. Exactly. If that was something they were going to want to do, they would have had their mind made up a month ago. This wasn't going to be something that was going to take two months to, to, to decide. It doesn't, I mean, you, don't, you don't need to be a mastermind to say, all right, you know, we don't want to we don't want to fire Leslie and I know he doesn't want to be fired. And, um, you know, let's just come to a mutual agreement here that you hang it up and we'll move on. That doesn't take two months to, to map out. So 
The more we talk about that, the more I think that that is unlikely. Now, here's the scenario that I think might be the most likely, and I think it's unfortunate because it makes me look at this Bills team in a light that I don't necessarily want to look at it. Let's take a look at the state of this defense currently, and then let's look at how that has affected Leslie Frazier's perception amongst the fan base, amongst perhaps the league, amongst the media. Tredavious White coming off of an ACL. Will he ever be an all-pro corner again? Jordan Poyer, 99% sure he's not going to be a Buffalo Bill. We'll touch on that a little bit later. Very likely Jordan Poyer's not suiting up again as a Buffalo Bill. Tremaine Edmonds, what's going to happen there? Is he potentially gone? Ed Oliver, what's going to happen there? Is there ever going to be a bona fide corner too that they trust? If Poyer leaves, who are we going to fill in next to Micah Hyde? And while we're at it, say it's Benford and you move him over there. Okay, Micah Hyde's not getting any younger. He's coming off of a season-ending injury. Von Miller, that was a luxury piece. God knows how much longer that lasts. You kind of take a step back and you look at it, and it's not necessarily rainbows and roses when it comes to this Buffalo Bills defense. And then when you pile on top of it, that you go back and look at how the Bills lost the last two years, how the Bills season ended, the blame was primarily on Leslie Frazier. So perhaps Leslie Frazier is looking at it and saying, I'm seeing this defensive roster decline potentially. And not only that, but when we did have a stout roster or one that you could argue was a stout roster and it didn't get the job done, I took the brunt of the blame for this team getting kicked out of the playoffs. Another great point here, too, with the ventures, right? And this goes into the Edmonds situation, the Oliver situation, the Boyer situation. It's the cap space. You got Allen's contract that's going to start kicking in. If you're going to pay Tremaine Edmonds, it's going to have to be a bag. The money keeps going up and up. You're going to have to justify it. People think you can just pay Tremaine Edmonds a middle-of-the-pack middle salary and call it a day. It's not how it works. So if you're going to pay him, it's going to have to probably be long-term, and there's going to have to be a sacrifice somewhere else. Jordan Poyer, it's not even a question of, are you going to pay him? Do you want to pay him? Does he want to be in Buffalo? We just heard Jordan Poyer this past week speak on the fact that he would like to play somewhere where he's not getting taxed the holy heavens. And I tweeted this out the other day, and of course, you know, you tweet about money. I forgot that money is pretty linear to politics, so you talk about money, and you get everybody from every side of the spectrum on politics coming at your throat in the comments. Learn my lesson there. Don't tweet about money again. Because I don't care. All I said was, can you blame the guy? Think about your own personal financial situation. Would you rather pay no income tax? Or would you rather pay one of the highest income tax rates in the entire country? Now, I had a plenty, I had plenty of people saying, well, it's not a factor for everybody. No, it's not. It's not a factor for everybody. Because if it was, you'd hear about it way more often. You don't really hear about it all that often. But Jordan Poyer lives in Florida. It seems like his family really enjoys that area. Right? He likes the warm weather. He's been in Buffalo for a very long time. They have yet to make the offer in which he feels like he might deserve. Right? And he's weighing his options. And, and I think that there is nothing wrong with having the financial situation of your job be a factor. 
people get all offended as a fan when you talk about the finances of a team. And I can't, I can't wrap my head around it. It's how the league operates. And not for nothing, I understand that these guys are, are guys that we love watching. That we, we, you know, we fall in love with them as the person, as the player. We get attached to them. They become part of the Bills. And for that, you know, we, we, we hate to see them leave or we hate to have the thought of them leaving. But we forget within that realm that these, this is the, these guys' careers. And they can only play it a certain amount of time before it's over, especially their prime. And perhaps Jordan Poyer's thinking, you know, maybe it's time that I go move on somewhere else where I can make a bit more money, be in a better area, and, and call it a career. So that's just one situation. You know, what will happen there, I don't know. I think if they offered him an adequate amount of money that he felt was acceptable, I think he would stay. I don't think he has, and this is where people get it twisted. I don't think he has any resentment towards Buffalo. I don't think he has any ill will or or, uh, lack of desire to be in Buffalo. But I think that when you have the cards laid out on the table, which he currently does, you assess each hand that you're dealt. And I think that's all that he's doing right now. And if the Bills deal him the best hand, then I think he would stay. Are the Bills in the situation right now to be able to potentially do that? Who knows? I got to tell you, it's, it's it's not optimal. I mean, it really isn't. They're very cap-strapped. They're already over the cap as it is. They're going to have to make moves in order to get underneath of it. And Poyer is just one piece of the puzzle as far as guys that need to get paid. And that's just talking about the defense. So back to Leslie Frazier. Is he looking at it and saying, well, you know, Tredavious White, he might not ever be the same. Micah Hyde's coming off of a year-long injury. Uh, Von Miller's coming off of a year-long injury. We might lose Jordan Poyer. We might lose Tremaine Edmonds. We might lose that Oliver or at the very, you know, at the very best, potentially we lose one of those two. We don't necessarily know what's going on with corner two. We don't necessarily know what's going to be going on at the safety position. Should we lose Jordan Poyer and Leslie Frazier? Maybe he's thinking, you know what? It's just a perfect time for me to just kick it up. Now, here's what I don't understand. And here's what makes me look at this in a way that where I wonder if there was something going on behind the scenes that was suboptimal. Maybe a relationship, maybe agreement, disagreement. Why do it when you did it? Because you have to think, and I understand, you know, it, t- it takes time for people to make big decisions, especially one like this where you are going to be departing your career. I get that. But I'm not necessarily sure it takes as long as it took up until this point for Leslie Frazier to announce what he announced. And that's why I thought there was some outside circumstance to go along with it, because that just seems the most sensical, does it not? There, it just seemed like there should be something that was trailing the, the, the exit of Buffalo in order to make it make more sense, but there's nothing. And what, what adds to the confusion is the fact that he says, I'll return in 2024. What? It'd be like when Andrew Luck retired. Hey, I'm just going to take the year off and I'll be back next year. Now, of course, Indianapolis Colts fans, I mean, they'd be, they'd be on their knees begging and praying for that to happen. I mean, but this is a whole different situation. And frankly, it's one I just like I keep saying, I, I, I don't have a comparable example. Um, but let's talk about the logistics of it, because at the end of the day, you know, it, it's the reality. Why it happened, I don't think we'll ever know. And you know, as much as I am intrigued by it, I, I don't necessarily care when I get when you get down to it, because it, at the end of the day, you, you kind of just got to You got to pivot. You got to pivot. I mean, how long how long can we can we harp on it? 
right? Because like I keep saying, today is March 1st. The draft is in like a month and a half. I mean, this is how this stuff goes. It's, it's mind-blowing how fast this stuff moves. So I do care in the sense that I did like Leslie Frazier, the person. I did advocate for him several times when it came to defending his spot on the, on the staff of this team because of how well I thought he did at the job outside of the obvious blunders. I, ju- I, I am very intrigued about the way it ended. But frankly, I, I have to just come to terms with the fact that I can't care because I will never know. I'll never know. And I don't think any of us will. So here we are. Now we're defensive coordinator list. That's just the reality of the situation. That's where we're at. Before we touch on that, saw a super chat up here from my man, James. Touch on that real quick. Appreciate you, James. Wish this would have happened three weeks ago. See, this is what I'm saying. It's not only do I wish it happened three weeks ago. Why did it not happen three weeks ago? How did it not happen three weeks ago? And also, you know, even if it didn't happen three weeks ago or however long ago, what was there? Was there a an inkling or a vibe from Bean or McDermott or anybody that it was potentially happening down the road because it was never leaked. You never had anybody really saying, hey, there's potential that uh, Frazier just might not coach on his own behalf. I mean, he might just willingly leave. It won't be a matter of him getting fired or taking another job. He might just leave. There was none of that. I mean, this literally had, and this is the other thing about the NFL. This is where it makes it even weirder. Does anything anymore happen without somebody having a leak on it? I mean, it just never happens. Never. There's always somebody who's got some angle before the story breaks. There was nothing. This was, it's a Tuesday afternoon in February. And all of a sudden he just, uh, middle of the day, you know what? I'm just, we're going to call it a, we're going to call it a, a year. Maybe we'll see in 24. And that's what's super strange about this. So, you know, I, I, I can't even lie to myself. I keep saying that I don't care. I kind of care because it's very freaking interesting to me. It's just naturally interesting. There's so many elements to this that don't make any sense to me. And I think that there would be, a, there, 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 it would only take a few puzzle pieces to make it make sense. The problem is those puzzle pieces are underneath the couch or they're in your damn vacuum. You're never going to see them again. But I wonder, was there some falling out? Was there... Is there something going on with him personally? Which, you know, if there is, that's fine. I don't need to know it, but that was not addressed. Does he just think that the state of the team is something he doesn't want to be a part of? These are the thoughts that go through my mind. But how nobody internally could, could know that beforehand, I think McDermott made it seem like he had known for about a week, maybe, maybe. But even then, we're still well over a month removed from when the season ended for the Bills. So it's still, it's just weird. It's just weird. James goes on to say, so we could have had a shot at getting Brian Flores. I mean, that's another thing. And that's what makes me wonder. And this is where you have to wonder how the relationship was with the organization itself, because the timing in which he did this puts the Bills in a pretty shit spot. It's not a, it's not a do or die detrimental, you know, really blowing them out of the legs type spot, but it's a shit spot. It's just not ideal. You're focusing on the draft right now. You're literally at the damn combine, and this is the first thing you have to address. The timing of it is very odd. 
And like you say here, James, if 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 there was an like an I, I don't know. <laughs> the more you talk about it, the more the more it really makes you kind of shift your eyebrows and go, just what? Because like you're saying here, I, I I didn't even really think about the 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 aspect in which you do it in a time frame that allows the Bills to move on adequately and find somebody else potentially. Um, because that's a harsh truth here, and that's kind of where you when I when I say you, you're in a tough spot, that's where that tough spot is is derived from. And that's going to get into my next point here in a second. Um, James goes on to finish out saying, "Think about the motivation." For uh, BF facing the Finns. If you're talking about Poyer. Yeah. I got to tell you, because I think if Poyer moves on, I think that's where he goes. I don't know. So back to the point James was making there, because it's actually a perfect, um, it's a perfect on-ramp to my next point. The situation currently. No DC. Okay. Well, here's where we're at right now. Okay. The Bills have all those the, all those obstacles in their way on the defensive side of things that I've already mentioned, right? The contract situations, the injury situations, now this. You add on top of the fact that the offense, yes, they were near the top of the league last year, but it never quite looked at it, especially after the bye. We're all, we all know it. We all know it. We all know we got Josh Allen. We're always going to have a chance with him, right? But we all know that that offense, when you watch the Philadelphia Eagles in the Super Bowl, when you watch the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, you know the Bills' offense was not that after the bye week. It just wasn't, right? And a lot of that blame, of course, went on Ken Dorsey, okay? So here's where we sit. The Bills currently go into this season with an offensive coordinator that a lot of people don't like going into only his second year. And now... They go into this season with no defensive coordinator. So ask yourself this. Do you really think the Bills are going to go into this year after building what they have built in the in the midst of a window in which they feel like they are still prominently in? Do you think that they're going to go into this season with a second-year offensive coordinator and potentially a first-year defensive coordinator who's never been a defensive coordinator? Or, at the very least, a defensive coordinator who hasn't been in the building? The answer is no, and that's why there will no, there will not be a defensive coordinator, in my opinion. Your defensive coordinator is Sean McDermott. The question's already been posed, and I think the way they've been dancing around it, or not, not really even dancing around it, I think the way they've been addressing it, I think, I think the answer is is right in front of us. I think Sean McDermott is going to be calling the defensive plays this season, not only because of the timing, but because of the fact that do you really want to enter? a potential Super Bowl window year with this much inexperience at your two most crucial coaching positions outside of the head coaching position. I don't. And here's the other situation you got to think of. And Sean McDermott said it himself. If it was on the offensive side of things, this would be a lot, you know, this would be handled a lot differently because Sean McDermott is not an offensive minded guy. So they would have no choice. You'd have to get an offensive coordinator, whether you promote from within, like they just did. We have the, you know, we have the example. Brian Dable moves, Ken Dorsey up. Okay, here's where we see a situation where the mindset 
of the coach, the head coach, the mindset in which got him the job in the first place is now going to have to be utilized in its fullest in order to be able to properly pursue this coming season. And that is why this situation, above all, in my opinion, is the toughest for Sean McDermott. Because we've had this conversation already a few times this offseason. I've told you this. This is how I feel. The seat for Sean McDermott, it's not hot. It's not a hot seat. But after the way that these last two seasons ended, the seat is warmer than it was the previous two years. It's inevitable. Inevitable. This is where it gets interesting. Because now, if you go into this season and say, you know, we got a sample size, now say there's a third year in a row where the defense absolutely implodes in the playoffs and the Bills have an early exit. There's no Leslie Frazier to blame here. It's Sean McDermott. And that's where things get real interesting here. Because I don't necessarily think that you lose your job, Sean McDermott, but if you think that going into this season, say say the season ends the exact same way, if they had Frazier and if they had McDermott, and it ends in a similar fashion to the way it's, it ended the last two seasons. McDermott's seat was already going to be, the, the, the heat was going to be increasing. Naturally, it's been increasing the last couple of seasons. But without Leslie Frazier there, as let's let's face it, a potential scapegoat, that flame isn't being split between two guys. That flame's just being ramped up on McDermott. McDermott got the head coaching job in Buffalo because of his job as a defensive coordinator in Carolina. He was hired because of the job that he did with the Panther with the Panthers at the defensive coordinator position. Now you gotta put you gotta put your best foot forward at the job in which got you this job to begin with. It's all gonna come down to Sean McDermott now. And it- enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Champion and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with BetMGM. You'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code Champion and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotion promotional offer not available in washington dc it's gonna have to because they're not i i just i mean Potentially they will. I really don't see it. I don't see them going outside of the building right now. And if they promote from within, you have to wonder, are they willing to go into this season with that much inexperience at both coordinator positions? It's just a question that I think is fair. So when you factor that in, and then you factor in the the, the overall the biggest point here, McDermott is a defensive coordinator at, at heart. It's the reason he's the head coach. So why wouldn't he call the plays? I mean, let's look at it from Andy Reid's perspective. 
Eric Bieniemy is moving on from the Kansas City Chiefs, now with the Washington Commanders, because he was getting zero credit in Kansas City for the offensive success because of how great of a coach Andy Reid is. And he just wanted his chance to be able to progress throughout his career. Totally get it, right? But today, nobody's saying, ah, the Chiefs, you know, they're going to be taking a step back on offense. Of course they're not. Of course they're not. Because Andy Reid is an offensive mind, and he got all the credit anyways. And that's where things get interesting with McDermott, because if you were to lose Leslie Frazier like you just did, and you had the same thought process about McDermott when it came to defense as you do with Andy Reid when it came to offense, nobody would care. They would just say, oh, well, Sean McDermott's an, uh, he, he's, he's a great defensive coach. He's one of the best, so what does it matter? You just have him take over. That's what they're saying in Kansas City right now, just on the other side of the ball. So now this is where you, you, you step back and you think about the situation the Bills are currently in. You think about the situation McDermott is currently in. And you got to think to yourself, this is about as big of a year as it could possibly get for Sean McDermott when it comes to his career. This is the year. It's huge. It's, it's massive. And it could go both ways. It could go both ways. Think about it like this, and, I, and I'm, I'm not trying to say this could happen in a negative light because it could just as much happen in a positive light. Okay, say they go out this coming season, McDermott, it's not good. Or it's adequate like it has been, and then it's just not good in the playoffs. Hot seat. I'm sorry. We, we've been over this, and this is before Leslie Frazier moved on. We've been over this. The seat is hot if that happens. I don't care who's at DC. Frazier, nobody. McDermott, doesn't matter. Hot seat. Vice versa. You go out this year, defense dominates better than ever or just as good as it's been, but it's even better in the playoffs than it's been over the last couple of seasons. Not only is the seat not warm anymore, you cool it completely down. And that does not necessarily mean you got to go to the Super Bowl. You don't. But if the Bills go out in the playoffs and play sound defense that doesn't end up costing them the game like it has the last couple of seasons, and they still rank in the majority of the major categories this season towards the top, McDermott cools his seat down. So in a sense, what is this? It's a put-up-or-shut-up year for McDermott. It's all on his plate. How's he going to handle it? Huge year for McDermott. And I got to tell you, I'm kind of excited about it. Because I think in a year where potentially there was as much there, there was as much pressure on him going into this year with Frazier not in the situation as there is now, I like that the I like the fact that there's more added pressure on McDermott this coming season. Because he's he he has got to approach it now with everything. He has to. Not that not to say he wouldn't have prior. But the stakes just got that much higher because they fall on him much greater than they would had it not had Leslie Frazier not left. And I love it. And that's why I'm all for Sean McDermott calling the defensive plays. Can we see what we got with him? And this is the, this is the question we need to ask as fans. We all love Sean McDermott, the guy. We all love what he's done for Buffalo over these last few seasons, pulling us out of the depths of misery. We all love that. This is the perfect opportunity for us as fans to see what this guy's got in the area in which got him the job in the first place. Right? 
This is the perfect example. And you got nobody else to blame. Nobody. And I love that. And I'm rooting too hard for McDermott to knock it out of the park. Because that would mean, it would mean so much. It would mean so much. It would prove to us that we got the right guy, no doubt about it. It would prove that McDermott can handle more than just being a fundamental head coach. He can handle calling the plays as well, which is not an easy task. He can handle revamping this team from a spot in which they were in the playoffs and, and, and fumbling fumbling around with themselves, losing games, to taking them to another level. It's on his shoulders now more than it's ever been. And I think it's a very exciting opportunity for him, and it's one that I hope that he really cashes in on because I think this goes one of two ways. I just don't think there's a middle ground here. It either shoots up, it shoots, it shoots McDermott's stock up, or it significantly lowers it. But that is the current situation. And it's back to the point earlier when we're trying to figure out the timing of this all. That's what makes me wonder how the relationship ended with McDermott and, and Frazier to begin with. Because I got to tell you, man, you know, for better or worse, and it could go either way, uh, you know, out of the gates here, Frazier is not putting McDermott in a good spot at all. So, I, I don't know. A lot, of, a lot of questions there and a lot of things I think we'll never know, but it's very intriguing nonetheless. Um, <clears throat> so, that's that. No defensive coordinator as of right now, and I got to tell you, I, I, think, I think the situation you currently see is the situation you're, you're going to get on day one, and I'm for it. I think it's the best solution. I just do. And I also think it I also think it proves the most to everybody. Proves the most to the organization and it proves the most to the fans. It proves the most to McDermott. Right? This is your specialty. Specialize in it. Because there's nobody else to blame. Now, it also, you know, you also have to be reasonable. If the Bills lose Poyer and they have another injury or two or a top guy's out for a year like they had this year and and they lose potentially Tremaine Adams and stuff, yeah, then you might weigh it on a different scale. Of course, you'd have to. But we all know that, that that's how it works, and we're going to be able to judge it based on that. I'm confident in that. The table will be set. How's he going to deal with it? So the Combine is underway this week and all the big hot shows are there, including Sean McDermott himself, the aforementioned Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean. And they addressed all this situation, talked about it. They also talked about the draft and what they're looking at. Now, you know, one thing that I thought stood out to me is that it's continuously the same conversation with these guys in the off season, right? The primary questions being asked here are, you know, defensive personnel, running back, wide receiver. Now, I thought something that, sh- that Brandon Bean mentioned, I thought, this w- I thought this was interesting. He, and maybe this is just a cliche, maybe it's just a cliche GM answer, but it stood out to me. Bean's being asked about, you know, taking a top wide receiver, you know, taking one of these skill players and, he answered the question by saying that it's, it's, you know, from their perspective, it's much more crucial 
to have a sound line on both sides of the ball. And of course, we've seen Brandon Bean attack the defensive line heavily over the last few drafts, and I don't necessarily know if that has been hit out of the park. You can argue it's been hit. I don't think it's been a home run. The offensive line, however, is one of those situations where you look at it, and then you also look at Josh Allen and, you know, how how he's affected, not only his health, but his career and his success with the Bills, how he's affected by that specific personnel group. And then you think to yourself, well, that's probably more significant than the defensive line, even though, of course, they're both incredibly important. And he was touching on the fact that he feels as though that he needs to make sure there's an adequate line before he attacks skill players. And it got me thinking, I wonder... I wonder if we see I wonder if we see offensive line in this first round. And I got to tell you I don't necessarily think I'd be opposed to it. This this offense needs a stud on the O-line. It it just does. The lack of protection this year, especially as the season went on was was staggering. It was staggering. And you see teams like the Kansas City Chiefs who had to completely rebuild their offensive line get it together within a year, and win a Super Bowl with it. You see the Cincinnati Bengals go from having the worst offensive line in the league, go into this season and have it look as though they might not be able to bounce back from that, and then they go into the playoffs, at least against the Bills, and make the defensive line for the Bills look like they just started playing today. Now, I don't necessarily know if it's going to be attacked in the first round. I don't know. But the vibe that I got from McDermott is that the offensive line is something that is going to have to be hammered in on either in the draft, in the free uh, agency marker, or a combination of both. And I wouldn't be surprised if the higher-end picks are utilized towards that. The issue is, I know we look at wide receiver as the one glaring thing, and it's glaring. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's massively glaring. It's it's Stephon Diggs, and that's it. And a lot of questions, I, I counted at least two questions in, in, combo, in combo between McDermott and Bean, where they were you know, essentially trying to ask what they felt about Gabe Davis's production this year. And the way that the question was being phrased was, you know, how do you feel about the fact that Gabe Davis did not emerge into a wide receiver two this year? How do you feel about that, right? And of course, you know, you get the, the classic, well, I thought Gabe Davis had a good year. He really came on towards the end of the year. I mean, that's what you get. You get it every time. Um, but we all know. You know, you know, Gabe Davis, yeah, he had his he had his spots. He always does. He had his shining moments, but he was no wide receiver too this year. And you look at what this team has going right now, as far as weapons are concerned, and you look at what we watched in the playoffs that, that aren't wearing Bills uniforms. I mean, look at that weaponry for the Philadelphia Eagles. It's just a perfect example. I mean, Christ, right? And you look at Josh Allen, his current situation, and how you're going to maximize on his prime. And, you know, Stephon Diggs is your only target. Ain't, ain't going to cut it. And I understand that that is the, the position right now that you think of the most when it comes to getting this Bills offense, you know, humming. And not to say that it's not up there. It's just, it's it's so hard to, it is so hard to describe this. Because you look at the stats and it's just like, yeah, the Bills offense is, is they're, you know, they're up there. But you'll watch the games and it just wasn't that. It just never felt like it. It never felt like there was a consistent outlet for Allen outside of Diggs. And when you took Diggs away, what was there? Um, 
too much reliancy on on one guy with a lot of you know mid-tier talent there was nothing over the middle there was no slot presence whatsoever we saw that affect this team this year it's obvious that that needs to be attacked i mean of course it does um so it's going to be but i wonder when bean says that if he puts more priority on protecting allen and giving him the ability to work with you know what he's got and some additionals as opposed to getting somebody, you know, a top wide receiver in the first round and then putting perhaps less adequate pieces on the line to protect him. I think it's a balancing act. And that's where I'm interested to see, you know, how these bills approach this, this, uh, this off season and this draft, they do not have the capital to go out and make moves like they did last year. Bean will be the first to tell you. He said that yesterday in his presser. And because of that, you're not going to see splash moves probably anywhere. You're not going to see a splash signing at wide receiver unless it's a, a veteran signing or a guy taking a deal. Um, and you're not going to see that not only at the receiver position, but really anywhere. So the draft is more crucial than ever really this year because there's not going to be that free agency splash like we saw last season. The other question that kept being posed to the two was running back, and they kept talking about, you know, how they felt about James Cook. And and then, you know, they also asked about, you know, Bean's situation or how, how he approaches the situation um, of taking a running back high. And he gave his, you know, once again, another – politically correct GM answer, which I think is appropriate. If you feel like a running back in the first round is the best available player at your pick, you go with him. I get it. You know, it doesn't really ever work. Um, but, you know, there are plenty of examples of teams that have done that. And if you feel as though that is the best possible player on the board available and you feel as though that fills a gigantic need that you need to fill, you go that route. The Bills sure as hell aren't going to do that this year. And if they did, what a hell of a waste. I mean, what a hell of a waste. You haven't seen a ne nearly enough of James Cook to even consider it. And, and the amount that you did see of James Cook, I liked. You just saw next to none of it. I mean, the beginning of the year, it was almost like he wasn't even on the team. And then finally, they started giving him more touches. And I really loved what I started to see out of James Cook even considering a running back in the round one or round two, to me, is just a bona fide mistake. Stupid. If you go out in free agency like you have been and find a guy or two you like that you can get on a cheap on a cheap deal, okay, I get it. But that's just, to me, that's out of the question. I think Devin Singletary probably moves on from this team. He was addressed. That was addressed. Uh, you know, of course, Bean said we'd love to have him back. Um, we'd love to have him back. Of course they would. I'd like to have Singletary back, but, you know, I don't think that's going to be in the budget. I just don't, especially when you have a rookie in Cook. You're going to have to make one of these rookies work. You've spent multiple draft picks now, higher draft picks now on running backs. You're going to have to make one of these work. And I think James Cook is the piece. You got to give him the opportunity. And they started to at the end of last year, and I thought he was coming along. I just don't see I, drafting one to me. I just I can't even fathom it. I I, I don't even I, I don't even want to consider it. And if they did, I just I, I would have no I would have nothing. I would have absolutely nothing to 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 just reason it with. I just wouldn't. Based on the needs that this team has, just don't see it. But that, of course, it's the same questions every year. It's the running back. 
right? It's it's specific personnel pieces on the defense, and then it's the wide receiver position. To the internet situation. Guys, I'm losing my mind. I mean, I'm losing my mind. I have done everything. I, I want to pick this computer up and use it as a as a mother effing trampoline. I, I'm paying for the highest premium internet money can buy. I, I will show you the bill, okay? I, I the, the internet speed, every other time I do something, I mean, you couldn't beat it. I mean, you'd think I'd be in the NASA headquarters the way this internet was working. Right. And then you plug it in and the Internet speed is literally like one gigabyte download speed. I mean, it, it is like Jetson type shit. Speed of light out of this planet shit. Amazing. Get on this thing and it just takes a hot, wet dump in its pants every week. And I apologize. I apologize. It pisses me off. I promise you it pisses me off 50 times more then it probably pisses you off having to watch me stuttering and out like this. I promise you. The last 20 minutes, because I've seen your comments, I promise you, the rage building inside of me the last 20 minutes, I'm shocked it took me this long to, to, before I let it out. And I want to apologize sincerely. I want to also tell you, I have done everything in my power this last week, and it's still doing this, and I... I, 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 I'm starting to like turn to the Joker. I want to laugh. That's how mad I'm getting. So s- side story. I'm in the apartment. The, the internet's amazing. I'm I, by my profession. I'm a video editor. That's my job. I'm, I'm a, I'm a video producer. Okay. So all day long, I'm, I'm on my computer. I sit my fat ass in this chair all damn day. Okay. And I got to download a ton of stock footage, a ton of a ton of uh, audio files, a ton of st- everything. I mean, I'm downloading all day, right? And the internet, I mean, it is just, it is phenomenal. Phenomenal. Okay? But I have to plug my, my st- I'm on my office upstairs, okay? I'm in my office upstairs. I got to plug it in to the, to the damn modem downstairs. That's annoying because you got the damn you got the damn cable off the ledge of the. I mean, you ought to see this thing. It looks like Tarzan's rope hanging off of my balcony. Look like a damn idiot. So I, I I take the modem, I undo it, I bring it up here, and what do you know? What do you know? Doesn't work. So then I call the maintenance guy. And by the way, Namdi says, Chilzy, it's not that serious. I'm half joking, half joking. Part of me, it's really that serious because it's unbelievable. It's just, it's, it's literally the most infuriating thing of all time. It truly is. First world problem. But let me get on here, okay? I, I moved the modem up here. You need an, so in order to, to, to connect the internet, in order to connect the internet, for those who don't have to worry about this stuff, okay, there, there's a... There's a coaxial outlet that you plug your internet cable into, and then you plug that into the modem, and that's how internet magically appears out of the sky, right? So the coaxial downstairs, it works like a dream. Works like a dream. Bring it up here, plug it in, nothing. I mean, I must have tried it 50 different times, sweating my ass off more than I am now, freaking out, won't work, right? All right, call the maintenance guy here at the at, at the uh, apartment complex. Cool dude, name's Jay, awesome guy, really cool dude. Uh, I used the microwave the other day. Go to pull the, uh, go to open the microwave door handle. Comes right off. Rip, you, I thought I was Bruce Banner for a second, turning into the Hulk. 
I'm like, oh, did I just summon super strength because I opened the microwave and the door handle just flew right off the damn, right off the door. Got to call up Jay, have him fix it. So, you know, Jay's been here. I call him up again. I go, Jay, listen, I need, I need to move the internet. I need to move the internet. I'm losing my mind. If you couldn't tell. So instead of emailing me back, Jay was very courteous and he comes over and he tells me in person that he has no ability to, uh, to move the internet in the building and that it's up to my internet provider. Here's where I don't get it. The internet provider didn't install the internet in the apartment complex. The apartment complex installed the internet. The internet provider comes over and hooks it up. So Jay, in a very polite way, told me, I can't help you. So now I got to wait for Optimum to come over and probably tell me the same thing. So what happens now? I'm SOL. I mean, for fuck's sake, honest to God. It's like, it's like, what do I got to do? What do I got to do? You know? Oh, sorry. Or you're welcome. I don't know. <laughs> oh, God. All right, let's end with some fun. Sorry. I, I know you guys, some of you guys appreciate a good rant. Some of you are probably scared. Don't be, okay? I'm half joking. I just, I love giving you guys... I love giving you guys a good product and a good show. You know how much you guys mean to me. And I hate the fact that I'm coming through looking like, um, you know, looking like you're watching me on a Zenith 1986 black and white screen. I hate that. So that's where this upsetness comes from. But don't be scared. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's have some fun before we end here. Here they are, baby, the new renderings. And like I said, off the top of the show, it hasn't hit me. And every time, you know, when I talk to people, especially around this area who obviously aren't Bills fans, one of the first questions they ask is, uh, you know, thoughts on the new stadium. And I got to tell you, I just, I don't think about it. I never think about it. I've completely forgotten about it. And I think part of it is that I actually, I, I have, I have like, I don't think it's intentional but I think my love for the Ralph and my love for what I have grown up with in Buffalo has made me subconsciously put the fact that a new stadium is coming in the back of my mind. I got to tell you, every time somebody asks me, I go, you know what? I'm excited. Um, it, it looks great. I think it's going to be awesome when we get there. But, but my, my, my real response is, I got to tell you, I, I'm sad. I said, I'm sad. Uh, it's going to feel really weird. And of course, like anything, you're going to get used to it and then life goes on. But I said, you know, that, that first time I pull up to the stadium for this new venue and it's not the Ralph, I, I, I don't even know how I'm going to feel. I'm going to feel weird. I'm going to feel weird. I mean, I'm just going to feel sad, you know, but it's inevitable, right? It had to happen. It really did. I mean, you, 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 you know, you, you, you look at some of these stadiums, you look at, the Viking stadium, of course you look at SoFi and then, you know, you look at where the league's heading and the amount of money and the modernization of the entire league. It, it had to happen. And I'm not upset about it. It just, it is sad to watch. It just feels like, and I know I'm still young, but it just feels like I'm getting to this point now where it's like, everything's just like abruptly coming to an end. Like when Brady just retired, it just felt like my whole childhood that was, you know, done, which was super weird. You know, this, the stadium here is going away. Um, I can't think of any other example, but there's a million of them. You know what I mean? But I will say, I think once I get used to it, I'm going to be very excited about 
what is coming to fruition here because these pictures, and I know there's some skepticism on them, right? I mean, I, I do think that there's a, a divide here. And I also do think that that divide has been created because of people like me. I think there's a lot of people like me who resent the idea of these, of this new stadium or resent the idea of anything being shown in these renderings because they just don't want a new stadium subconsciously. I'm, I'm a firm believer in that because I've seen a lot of complaints about this. And the fact of the matter is you look at these renderings, the, the place is gorgeous. The place is phenomenal. Yeah. I, I understand it's not SoFi. It, this also isn't Los Angeles and they're not spending $4 billion on it. I mean, I do get it. It's over a billion, but Think about a billion dollars, then times that by about four. That's what SoFi costs. I saw somebody say the other day, that's what a billion dollars gets you? It looks like crap. I'm like, dude, looks like crap. I mean, have you been to the Ralph? I mean, don't get me wrong. The Ralph is the most glorious place ever. But, you know, there's parts of it that, are, that they look like they, they might fall in and cave in on itself. This is the furthest thing from a dump. Are you nuts? So let's take a look at it. I, I, the more I look at it and the more I kind of understand what we're going to be getting, the more I get excited about it. Now, I saw a comment down here that I think I'm in form agreement with because this is kind of how I feel about it from a personal level. Where, where, did it, where was it? Um, where was it? Somebody said... Uh, well, there's a there's a few great comments under that I agree with. Tickets will be astronomical. Yeah, that sucks. And I think we started to see that kind of happen this past year. Tickets this past year are the highest they've ever been. I, I was getting into games up until two seasons ago, right before the game. I, I shit you not, twenty five bucks. Which, when you think about it, 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 I'm I'm honestly okay with that ending. The fact that we got into Bills games for the price that we did, and, and frankly still do, compared to what other fan bases have to pay. It's a blessing. I mean, we got a hell, we got a hell of a squeeze out of that lemon. I mean, we really did. New stadium going to get better food. Highly doubt it. It's stadium food, still stadium food. But as far as like the presentation is concerned and stuff, yeah, I'm I'm sure it's going to be better than uh whatever there is now. I, I don't think I've ever bought food inside the stadium ever. Um, this is the this is the comment i was looking for it's too upscale for us mafia see that's what blows my mind about this. like us as a fan base right i mean we're the we're the fan base known for lighting each other on fire and jumping through tables and getting obscenely belligerently blackout drunk and you know squirting ketchup and mustard all over pinto ron and i mean the list goes on and on and on i mean we are the if it came to like if there was like a social hierarchy or if there was like a a black sheep uh, of the of the NFL family, the Bills fan base would be that. But that's why everybody loves us. Everybody loves the black sheep. Everybody loves the fun guy. The Bills are the fun guy. This doesn't have that fun vibe. And I think that is kind of what I also get at when I say how much I'm going to miss the Ralph. Because you look at the Ralph, then you look at our fan base and how we all act and how we approach the game, not only with our antics, but of course our passion. It all just, it it meshes, right? It meshes. And this does kind of look a bit too corporate for what we are, but hey, you know, even even our, even us biggest degens can clean up, clean up nice when we want to, right? So let's take a closer look. So this is the outside. Uh, where are we here? What? Oh, here we go. Wait a minute. Does not want to load? Of course not. <laughs> Why would it? <laughs> 
So here's the outside. Uh, here's the outside view of it. Now I love I love the glass encasing. I'm a huge minimalist when it comes to stuff like that, like like um, uh, architecture and stuff. I love that type of look, and I think what they're doing here with the logos um, and the signage, I think it's gorgeous. I really love that glass encasing. Think it gives it a real modern feel, and I think it just looks futuristic. And I really do like that aspect of it. It's kind of like what SoFi has on a much more minute level where the entire thing's kind of encased in glass. Love the look of that. Now, here's where it really hit home for me right here when you can see the the inside with the, with the team out on the field. I, I cannot believe this is going to be in Buffalo. This is where it really hit me where I was like, damn, this is going to be in Buffalo. This is going to be our reality. I mean, look at that. Look at the inside of that. I mean, that, that that ain't no rock pile right there, folks. That is a hell of a scene right there. That is gorgeous. I mean, imagine sitting like right there, right underneath the scoreboard. This this is unbelievably cool looking. Now, the, the enclosures here, it's kind of got like a soccer stadium vibe. I, I got to see, you know, obviously got to see this in person before you can make any fair judgment. But uh, Hard Rock out in Miami kind of has this, and I've been there a couple times, and I don't necessarily like it. It just kind of feels like European. It feels like I'm at a soccer game um, when I'm at the Hard Rock in Miami, and this kind of gives me that vibe, but it's also much higher, it seems. The Hard Rock one is like a square. And I just don't, I don't like it. I do like the look of this more, but it is weird to kind of have that like half enclosure, half not. And that's one of the things I'm most interested to see. I really love how they did it out in Seattle where the sides are enclosed. I love that look. Um, but this kind of looks like it goes all the way around. But if you look here above the Buffalo Bills uh, signage here, it looks like it might go out even further on the ends, but we'll have to see. Here's a better look at that glass and man. I mean, look, so you, obviously from this shot, the farther away shot, you got the Bills logo there. And, you know, obviously you think it looks big, but the perspective really is put into view when you're up close here. I mean, that Bills sign, the, the Bills logo here, I mean, that's got to be just astronomical. I've said on here before, I'm sure you guys know, big Penn State football fan. We go to, and we try to go to a game every year. And, um, not all that long ago, the Bills or the uh, Penn State renovated Beaver Stadium and put some cool additionals on it. And one of the things they added were gigantic Nittany Lion logos. And it's like one of those things where you look at it from a distance and, you know, you know what it is. And obviously you assume it's big because you can see it from that far away. But once you get close, you really understand just how ungodly massive those logos and signs are. Getting that same vibe here, and I think that's going to be sweet to see walking up on that. And you can tell it's got like a glass lighting feel to it. So that's cool. Um, now, the concourse area is, is what's kind of catching my eye when you're looking at these aerial shots. Um, it just – this does not look like Buffalo, man. I mean, that's the funny thing. Just, you don't look at this and think Buffalo right here. You know what I mean? Like, just you don't. Um, I love the concourse area. It's gorgeous. Look at this. I mean, look at this. And if they actually put those Buffaloes in, which I'm, I'm being told they they're going to that. Those are sweet. I mean, this, this, this is the look right here of a winter time 
vibe. And that that's just gorgeous. I mean, this icy blue look with the blue in the stadium. I mean, it's it's gorgeous, man. Love this concourse. Love it. I mean, if you've been to MetLife, it, 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 it's truly one of the worst stadiums ever. I hate it. I trash on MetLife all the time. Don't care what anybody says. I understand the inside's nice. Um, and, you know, it's not as newer as some of the other stadiums. The tailgating is the worst I've ever seen. The location and the parking is horrendous. And there's no atmosphere. There's no ambiance. When you're in the parking lot, Going to a, the, the Jets-Bills game at MetLife, you truly do feel like you're in a New Jersey parking lot. When you're looking at this, if I'm walking up into this area right here in this concourse, I'm not going to feel like I'm walking up in, 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 a, in a Buffalo parking lot. I mean, this is gorgeous. Uh, and then the area, you can really get a vibe as to how big that really is. I mean, and the cool thing about this is it's like it's like a, it's an additional tailgate in a sense because you, you go from the tailgate to the concourse experience. So you go from this experience in the parking lot to this experience kind of walking up and getting there. Because right now when you walk to the stadium, you're either walking down the the, the, the highway essentially, or you're walking down a side road where the, where the police have everything gated off and you're kind of just all of a sudden at the ticket booth. This to me is one of the cooler aspects that thing's kind of going under the radar is kind of the experience you're going to get walking up through this big concourse here. And now, to me, this is probably the, the shot that brings it all home. Look at this. I mean, this is what – this is – it's it's gorgeous, man. I, I don't I don't know where people are getting the uh, – I don't know where people are getting the, the hate from on this – on this uh, – on the stadium and the renderings. I'm really liking the look of it. I think – I think it's just modern enough – to, you know, of course, look as though it's a brand new stadium, but it still has that feel of a classic stadium as well. And that's what I like about it. And the inside here, I think it's absolutely gorgeous. And I got to tell you, the more you see of this and the more it kind of is coming together, the more, you know, excited I kind of get. But still, I'm going to savor the, uh, the Ralph for as long as I can. couple more years to enjoy it, that's for sure. All right, it's going to do it for us on a Wednesday. Buck 15 in the books. Got to go pick the girlfriend up from work. Do I know what she wants to do tonight? She goes, can we go to Olive Garden? Random. I said, of course. I'm all in. Little minestrone. Can't do the breadsticks, though, because of the gluten. Sucks. That's like the worst. like pure torture. You go there, watching her wolf down the breadsticks, and I'm like, come on. That's just not fair. Uh, thanks for joining me tonight. A lot of topics wrapped up. We talked about Leslie Frazier and that whole situation. We'll see how it all unfolds. We got a we got a plenty of time to digest all of that, and of course, we'll see it on full display this coming season. Uh, combine continues this week, and then we inch closer and closer closer to the draft, which is uh, which is just wild. It'll be here before you know it. And as that inch is closer, it's you know it's like anything else. When the bill season ended, I'm like, I don't want to talk about the draft. Now we're getting into March, and I'm like, all right, I'm getting excited. I'm getting excited. Same thing with the stadium. Um, all right, hey, thanks for joining me. Sorry for the scheduling. Offseason gets wonky, I know it. And sorry for the internet. This week, I'm back at it again. I'm trying my best to figure it out. Hopefully next week, I don't have to look like I'm uh, 
you know, Joaquin Phoenix in the uh, in the Joker. Let's see. All right, back at it again next Monday, by the way. We're going to be back on Monday, your regular scheduling programming. We'll see you then. Until then, enjoy the rest of your week. And hopefully your internet works better this week for you than it does for me. As always, go Bills. Good for you. We'll think of another place. Come with me. That's what it's about.